Hi, everybody. I'm here with a very, very, very special guest today, Barbara Hanclough. Hard to get. I'm so glad we finally have her with us after all this time. I know I've been talking about it for a while. And we wanted to get down to some really heavyweight understanding of astrology right now because a lot of people are struggling. And I don't think it's just me. <laughs> I think it's the world at large. And so Barbara is saying there's a reason for this. We have some really interesting underpinnings that are creating quite a challenge for humanity at this time. So without further ado, welcome, Barbara. It's so glad to finally have you on Zoom and not just the Gaia studio. <laughs> Hi, Regina. Good to see you. And I think Zoom is great. I think Zoom is great, too. Very personal. And it's like having a really nice private conversation. So it really is. Well, yeah. you look wonderful, and I know this library. I've seen this library before, and it makes a wonderful backdrop, and it also is just a thimbleful of the books that are stuffed into your head because you're quite the researcher and academic. So with that, let's go right into what's happening. The, you call this, Why is Neptune the Elephant in the Room? That's kind of the title of what we're doing. Why are you saying Neptune is the elephant in the room? I'm going to let you just set it up and then I'll ask you some more questions and we'll get into it. Well, because I was writing a trilogy and finishing the third book these last couple of years, I've gotten really far away from astrology. And so I had to go back and, and put the whole data back in. Back in, And it's, astrology is very complicated and it is really hard to put the data back, bank back in. I spent actually a month of, of uh, study for four or five hours a day in order to do that. And then I decided the thing I wanted to focus on while I talked to, I did a few presentations. And I'm doing these presentations, Regina, because people are having such a hard time. Um, and anything I can do to help with that. And as, when I was a reading astrologer and when I did my astrological shows are really could help people. And so that's why I'm here right now with some astrology. And so I decided to do that because of the um, Saturn-Uranus squares this year, which we're going to talk about today. So first thing I did was I really got into what are, what are those squares? What were they historically? How do they affect us now? And the more I got into the Saturn-Uranus squares, I, I realized that we could really use them. And we're going to talk about how to use them effectively today, because that's really the key. But as, as I got into it, I started to realize that unless people could understand Neptune at this point in time, and this point in time is actually more like, um, like 2011 to 2026. In other words, we're the, the Neptune went into Pisces in 2011. And it goes out of Pisces um, into Aries in 2026. And so I started to realize like we're at the end of this Neptune and Pisces cycle right now. So then, of course, I did what all astrologers always do. I went back historically to the previous cycle. And the previous cycle is very influential and very interesting because it's the first cycle of, of Neptune through a whole sign. Um, since Neptune was sighted. Neptune was seen in the sky in 1846, and then in 1848, Neptune went into Pisces, and then it was in Pisces until 1861. So, of course, the first thing I did is I looked at what was that period of time like, and what, what happened at that period of time. And that period of time in the United States is very interesting, because the 1840s were known as the Hungry Forties, and the reason for this was there was a really um, 
very, very broad-based economic collapse, collapse in the states in the 1840s. And in upstate New York in particular, they suffered terribly with the Erie Canal and all kinds of stuff going on. And so it's known as the Hungry Forties. And then, of course, 1861 is the beginning of the Civil War. So we went through a period of economic uh, tumult and deprivation that ended up in a civil war during that period. And now here we are in 2011, even though the stock markets are high and even though, every, though everything is supposedly wonderful for the multi-billionaires on the planet, um, what about all the other people? And we're in the middle of a phase of homelessness and job loss and social chaos that is really, really challenging for all of us. And then as we come to the end of this second cycle of Neptune and Pisces, notice the racial tension. So one of the things that's been going on with this cycle is the um, need in the United States to deal with the racial tension, to deal with the racial issues, because that's what started the Civil War in the first place, uh, the last one. And in a way, we're in the early stages of a, a kind of running civil war right at this time. If, if we look at the um, number of people dying in mass shootings and the number of people um, who are being shot by policemen and all that stuff, I don't even have to really explain it because it's right in everybody's face. Oh, it's in the headlines every day. I mean, when you look back five years, uh, five, six, seven years ago, these were events that happened a few times a year, then monthly, then weekly. Now it's literally almost every single day. And we saw it mounting and coming, and we never resolved the issues from the 1800s and the early uh, 1900s as well. And here we are again. And what you said is very true, Barbara, because people started overlooking the fact that on the ground, boots on the ground, the economy was not doing well after 2007. And I started looking at it from a consumeristic point of view and uh, just watching, just again, very much on the ground um, view of it, which is I started noticing products disappearing, aisles widening, shelves disappearing, and even the the most popular stores and even supermarkets. So everything was shrinking when you started looking at the larger economic markers, even though like now the stock market's just wheeling off out of control on its own. It has nothing to do with the economy. So let's just pick it up from there. Here we are again. Mm -hmm. So, so then of course, once I got into that stuff, the kind of basic background on it, on it, then I started getting into what Neptune is and what Neptune does. And Neptune is famous for um, ruling illusion and delusion and also for a very positive point of view, um, access to spirit and access to the soul. So Neptune has a whole range of energy, which, which of course any planet does. But the most important thing about Neptune right now, I, I've decided, is the whole issue of Neptune ruling the collective mind. And I've been thinking a lot about the collective mind um, because I've been in the early stages of writing a book about how to maintain our soul connection um, because I've kind of come to this place now where I realize that in a historical time, as difficult as this one is, our connection to the soul is just incredibly important. So. I did some boning up on collective insanities and collective unconscious and that whole issue of the collective mind and how it affects us. 
And I got deeply into the issue of how the only real freedom we have is our own inner freedom and our own ability to maintain our spiritual life. And so then I got thinking about more in terms of what's going on with COVID crisis. And I started to realize that the COVID crisis is just the classic example of a collective insanity. And when the whole thing first got started, I was shocked by how people just gave in to the rules and followed everything they were being told. Like like sheep, you know, I, I, I know that people follow. Like, like a trance, like a mass trance almost. Yeah, it was, like, it was like a mass trance. And all these things are very typical of, of a collective insanity where the whole group is ruling the energy and that you as an individual, your only freedom is your individuality. And so I started to realize that one of the messages I really want to get across is how dangerous it is to buy into this collective insanity, which most people are. But speaking to individuals today on your show, any one of you or us who is following that collective wave of energy versus your own individual power and consciousness, this is really dangerous stuff. And we also could see it with the Trump phenomenon where people just would go to rallies and raves and just um, be part of, again, part of a collective insanity, if you, you know. And so that's when I realized Neptune was the elephant in the room. So then that gave me the opportunity to apply that concept to the way the game is being played. So basically what's happening is gurus like Anthony Fauci or your local um, health minister up here in Canada or your lo local health person, whoever it is in the States, um, basically they're playing the game of I'm gonna save you. And if you just listen to me, I'll save you. And problem with that is I don't want anybody to save me, but particularly somebody with a needle in their hand that's trying to run after me and jab me. And so I, I started to see that we've got to start understanding this as, as, a, as a salvation complex in a sense. And we've got to start looking at how much we're buying into that. Like, for example, if you really think that these people are going to save you, well, there you are. But I think it's time to draw back a little bit and, you know, reflect on this. And, and So I would ask you then, Barbara, is that savior complex, is that part of the illusion delusion that you were talking about regarding Neptune? Is that part of it? Yes, because Neptune rules the maddening crowd. Neptune okay. rules, Neptune rules a lot of things, but Neptune holds the rulership over this whole issue of the crowd following, like in Hit, following Hitler in World War II. So when Neptune is functioning in, as a, like a, a dark Neptune and a shadow Neptune, then we have these collective insanities coming forth. So then I realized, I thought, well, okay, because I think that's just blatantly true. And I think that anybody thinks about Absolutely. it, you know, they kind of get it. Then I got it, which, which has to do with Carl Jung, Carl Gustavus Jung, the, the psychoanalyst. And Carl Jung is probably my greatest hero, um, intellectual hero on this planet. And so 
Um, Carl Jung, of course, is the one who discovered the, the unconscious and then went into the unconscious and discovered how it operates and worked with clients in order to help them explore their unconscious. And if you think about it, um, Carl Jung, he died like in the 1950s and became very popular like in the 19, basically 1950s, 1960s. And we actually have been in the middle of a psychoanalytic exploration, even though we may not have been very much aware of it. We actually, I have to say this, all of us actually are a lot more in touch with our unconscious mind than we were like 10 or 20 years ago. We're dead. So then I decided this Neptune in Pisces cycle must be about waking up from the unconscious and being able to recognize when the unconscious is affecting us, such as, such as in a collective insanity. That would be one example of it. But our unconscious affects us just in all kinds of ways in our lives. And yet, if we learn how to recognize it and detect it, we become more conscious. And, and so I started to realize, like, this cycle is really about waking up from the unconscious. And then I could see why everything is such a mess right now. That makes total sense. And I think it's, it's certainly, it's, all we have to do is look around for the evidence. Everybody can see the truth in what you've said. Yet, we're going to talk about how we start working with this because we have a challenge on our hands. People have given up sovereignty to media itself, whether it's social media or mainstream or streaming media, people have given over sovereignty to their channels of choice. And this is certainly not helping when it comes to trying to regain any sovereignty at all over our minds and delving into the unconscious. How do you perceive this? I mean, I think most of the people that are watching this have seen the film uh, A Social Dilemma, a very, very important film to see in terms of hijacking of the mind. So how, how do you see technology and media playing in to this delusion phase? And also then we'll start reversing it and looking at how we can use it for um, uncovering what's in the unconscious and working our way toward healing. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly I could say that the paradigm I'm putting forth here is the need to pull out of the collective mind and to go into your um, individual self, individual exploration, individual soul, and individual unconscious. So what we're talking about here are all the levels of exploring ourselves and getting to know ourselves. And sometimes I think that people almost feel like if they spend time doing that, that they're being a little bit selfish. And yet it's the most important thing because each individual, the, the, their personal strengths, you know. Yes, I know. I totally agree with that. So unplugging, which we've talked about, I've talked about in many, many different programs, seems critical. And, and I suffer from that myself. I feel like, oh my God, I'm not doing my part for my own work. I'm not doing participating in social media. I'm, I'm not putting myself out there as a person, um, but I don't want to. And every time I turn a media channel on, I have to say, um, 
even if it's something I'm slightly resonating with in the moment, I'm hearing the larger narrative behind it. And it's all making me slightly nauseous, Barbara, because mm -hmm. I'm feeling this manipulation of the people. It's really making me feel nauseous, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And we're certainly in a period right now of a maximal level of delusion and um, lies and deliberate manipulation of people who tune into any kind of media, even the best kind of media. Mm -hmm. So what I do, and I have done actually for many, many years, is I never watch any media assuming it's going to give me correct information. I watch it only to see what their program is. Right. That if I know what their plans are, I might have a shot at avoiding what they're trying to do. And now we've come to a point at this point where they really have got gotten a stranglehold on the public. And, and so going back to this issue of the unconscious and the depths of the unconscious mind, um, it's amazing how rich we are within. It's just incredible the richness that we have within. And so it looks to me like um, the reason all this chaos is building and building and building is because of the need for breakdown. And so we're, we're getting breakdown in all of the major religions, especially the Western religions. And I guess after thinking about it really deeply, I came to the realization that there's probably no other way. And it's not any fun living in the middle right. of it. You know, not any fun living in the middle of it all. No, but you have to tear the house down in order to rebuild it. And, yeah. you know, I, I know, I, I think you saw my interview with Simon Chikoisky, who does Vedic astrology and cycles, talking about yeah, this like outsider, mm -hmm. this outsider cycle we're in, which is for that. It is for destruction, tearing the house down so we can start rebuilding. But to find the fundamental truth to rebuild from seems to be what, will, what is facing us as our challenge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this actually leads us right into the issue of the Saturn square Uranus transits, because I, I went to the Saturn square Uranus transits first, because I could see how much practical um, uh, power they have for us. And, you know, for me, astrology isn't worth it unless it's practical, and it gives you ideas about how to proceed in your life in a happier and more effective way. And so, as you know, I think, I don't remember whether we discussed this on a show or not, but last year we had some really huge transits in Capricorn, Saturn conjunct Pluto, Saturn conjunct Jupiter. We've gone through a whole series of gigantic, literally earth-changing transits. And the outside events have reflected those transits last year and early this year absolutely perfectly. I've been really amazed by how predictive astrology is at this moment in time. And maybe that's what happens when you're coming to a critical leap point, possibly, but it's, it's almost scary how astrologers can predict what's going to, what's going to, we can't always say what's going to be happening, but we can tell you when something big is going to happen and what the qualities of it are going to be, you know? So then regarding this year, the big transit is these three hits of Saturn square Uranus. And the reason that that's a big deal is because number one, 
they can be used intentionally, first of all. So anytime you've got transits <clears throat> that you can really use, like Jupiter and going to the lottery and winning, winning the lottery, whatever you're doing, anytime you can get a transit you can use, you really should because it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. So the first hit of Saturn square Uranus was um, January, let's see, February um, 14th or 17th. Let's see if I can remember. February of this year. Mm -hmm. And if people will take time after seeing this discussion between you and me to take a few minutes just to try to remember what was going on in February in your life. And some people, of course, listening to this can do that immediately. And first of all, certain trend, trends would have been happen, happening, certain themes would have been playing out. And it, it would be a good idea to get a hold of them and identify them. And then another thing that gives you a real tip on what you were probably doing is most everybody was probably purging something in February. In my case, I, this library you're looking at, Regina, is half as big as it was. I purged this library. Um, and everybody's got their own version of it. Everybody I talked to was purging something because what you're purging at that time is the key for what you're trying to get rid of, not so much rid of in your life, but sometimes purging can be in, like with my library, organizing it more effectively with a lot more strength by making it more clear what this library is. So I don't want to think of purging as getting rid of something. Often it's just getting something straight in your life. And so if people can identify um, what it was they were doing in February, then that gives you the chance in the next couple of weeks, because now we're coming up to the second Saturn square Uranus. It's, it's um, coming up, uh, let's see, June 17th. Or no, it, what is it? It's June 14th. And the first one is, is uh, February 17th. I want to keep on wanting to turn those around. But at any rate, what's June 14th. important... It's the, it's, the, it's the middle of um, June. And because at this point, that's when you're probably going to realize that you've actually made a lot of progress. You've actually, actually really done something. Because in the middle of this mess right now, sometimes we don't feel like we're doing anything at all. We just feel chaotic all the time. And so if you can identify what that is that you're changing, and then really tune into how well you're doing with it, you're going to do a very, very good job of vastly improving what you're doing. Because when these planets come back to, together again, the way they are um, in a week or so, um, there's some retrograde motion going on, which means that things are happening where we need to go inward. And so we need to like identify what it is we're changing, and then we need to start looking at our unconscious. We need to start identifying things within ourselves that cause us to resist things, especially things that cause us, cause us to avoid things. Identify like the way you talk yourself into something, even when you know it's not true while you're talking yourself into it, if you see what Evolution. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do that. <laughs> Um, because from from now, June, until guess what? Christmas Eve day, December 24th, is the third transit. And with the third transit, if you've really gotten a hold of what you've been doing, 
you're going to really um, be in a position of personal power. So, you know, so let's look at what, what is this transit? What's Saturn squared Uranus? What does it mean, right? Well, Saturn rules structure and form. So Saturn is the part of us that creates realities and creates forms in order to live our lives. And then Uranus rules freedom and creativity and breaking out of the, um, the, you know, the, the fixed mold of a problem or a situation or reality itself. So as you can imagine, Saturn squared Uranus, a struggle between structure and freedom. Sounds now, like one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas pedal. <laughs> yeah, and notice what we're experiencing. Notice that the outer reality right now is a huge struggle between um, structure and control and freedom, you know. And I'll predict right here on your show um, that right after this, this square um, in the middle of June, then we get the summer solstice. And I can tell by the transits of the summer solstice that this business of the people in control, being able to run everybody around like sheep, is going to be ending this solstice. It sounds like it, Barbara, because I, I, I've been reading about, you know, the border situations in Canada between the Canada and the U.S., for example. Right. right at the solstice is the day that it's supposedly supposed to end, which is interesting. June yeah, 21st is what I've read, where the borders are supposed to open up between Canada and the U.S. again, and people are chomping at the bit to start getting over and seeing friends and family. And uh, they don't want to be held back any longer. This is ubiquitous. These feelings are ubiquitous now. Yes. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. So what we're going to do is we're going to analyze the whole, the whole cycle. It's actually a cycle from 1988 mm -hmm. to 2032. And we're at the third point. In other words, we've got another quarter of this cycle to go. So in a minute, I'm gonna go back to 1998 and identify some things and then look at the first square, the opposition, and then the square that we're in the middle of now. And I'll explain that a little bit better for people so people can understand that easily. But um, I'd just like to stay with June for a second and make the comment that we're not going to be able to start moving toward the freedom and the creativity that we're attempting to bring forth right now if we're being too controlled. And in my opinion, we have been overly controlled. We've yes. been sold a bill of goods, and most people have followed it. I have not followed it, and I never will but most people have. And because most people have followed it, we're like in the middle of a vice grip. And I can tell by the transits, that what we're gonna be seeing around the time of the solstice and coming up very soon here now, a lot of demonstrations, a lot of anger, and a lot of refusal to continue to put up with this because it's just become absolutely untenable. 
So we'll be able to see that better if we go back to the whole cycle. Okay. So each one of these Saturn-Uranus cycles is 44 years long. And it, it, it starts with the conjunction of Saturn-Uranus. And there's a conjunction of Saturn and Uranus every 44 years. And then a whole social and economic and political cycle of the struggle between control and freedom starts. And each one of these cycles has a different character to it. Okay, so if we, to make it really easy for people, let's go back for about a minute to the one before this one, the 44 years before 1988. That cycle is 1942 to 1988. And during that cycle, we had a major um, movement in culture um, uh, in the United States and in the world toward more political freedom and more social freedom. Okay, just I'll just leave it at that because that's basically what happened during those years. Then when we come to, to 19, 1988 and we look at what's going on, what was happening around the planet was a lot of expo exploration of really unusual spiritual ideas, new paradigms, trying to um, change the historical and geological paradigm, which has been so faulty. Uh, I did, of course, a lot of work in that area with my book called right. Catastrophobia. But a lot of us got together, Graham Hancock and Andrew Collins and, and me and a bunch of people, and we started really trying to knock down the false timeline and the false historical uh, paradigm. Because if people don't have the correct story, they're going to always be handicapped and they're always going to be missing opportunities. And so at this point, if you think about it, we've really matured a lot. And at this point, most people realize that there was a great global maritime civilization 12, 15,000 years ago called Atlantis. A lot of people know about that stuff. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to 1988, and I can attest to this because I was in the middle of major research in that area, those new paradigms were just starting to hit really hard, um, especially Graham Hancock was hitting really hard at that point. So we could say the guns. That in 1988, as we look at the, um, the uh, struggle between uh, control systems and our freedom, we definitely could say that there was a huge desire to break out of lies and to break out of false stories and start to straighten out what's really happening to us on this planet. Would that be fair? Yes. Yeah, okay. So then we go to the first square. Now, what am I talking about? Well, it starts with Saturn conjunct Uranus. And in this case, in 1988, Saturn conjuncted Uranus in 27 degrees Sagittarius. 27 degrees Sagittarius is the galactic center. So this work that's been going on during the period between 1988 and 2032 has to do with us being galactocentric. In other words, we went from geocentric in 1600 AD to heliocentric, and right now we're becoming galactocentric, which means that we are probably going to have disclosure and meetings with other beings in the universe besides earthlings on earth. And as many people- That is, 
Yes, and that is going on on the ground right now. I mean, we're expecting (laughs) these findings uh, from our governmental body. uh, The prediction is they'll probably delay it. But the point is the pressure's on. Everyone's talking about it. Podcasts galore around the world discussing disclosure in all its forms. So whether it happens officially or not, it's already up. Yes, I agree. And that actually has a lot to do with the squares that we're in the middle of right now. But let's go back to the first square. So what happens astronomically is Saturn and Uranus conjunct in the sky, in this case in 27 Sag on the galactic center. Then they keep moving forward. And because Saturn moves faster than Uranus, it takes Uranus 84 years to go around the sun. It takes Saturn 29 years. So because they're moving at different speeds, eventually they come to the first square to that conjunction. And when you look at that first square to the conjunction, um, which is 1999 to 2000, you start to see, like, how would I put this? You kind of start to see where the spider is in the spider web in the room. Because as people try to transform and try to raise their consciousness and try to improve our understanding of things on the planet, Immediately, all the control agencies, you know, the intelligence agencies and the economic controllers and all, they all go to work to find a way to squash us. Yeah. 1999, 2000, Y2K. Yes. Right. And And at the same time, if I can just interject this, this was a time that the conferences, like the spiritually based and consciousness conferences, really started burgeoning where all of the top people would be together in one room at, for example, the Prophets Conference that used to happen. Science and consciousness, all these really started gaining steam at this time. I agree. I agree. And that, of course, has been that was building and starting in 1988 and then building and developing. Mm-hmm. And yes, it was a big deal in 1999, 2000. But looking for the foil, what had happened in, with Y2K, which was just another typical game to fool people, to get people to buy a whole bunch more computers and all that sort of stuff. It's so obvious. Um, what did happen is people started to realize they couldn't avoid theater net. And for me, that was a really big deal. I never have wanted to um, have a computer and deal with the internet. And I I resisted like crazy. But as an astrologer, of course, I had to have a computer. I had, so what I did for years is I had an astrology, a a computer that I just used only for astrology. But 1999, 2000, I realized like whether I like it or not, we're all going to have to connect up. So that first square was really the point where people realized they had to connect up. And so they did. So then we had all this connection going on, building in the early 2000s. Then we come to the opposition. Well, what does that mean? It just means that because Saturn goes faster and Uranus is slower, finally in the sky, Saturn comes to the point where it's opposite Uranus. And at that point, that's when we start to really see the whole spectrum of this development that started in 1988. So think of what happened in uh, the thir- at the third opposition, 2008-2009. We had a financial collapse and a tech financial collapse, yeah. especially housing derivatives also, but we had a financial and tech crash. 
And what we see at that point is we see that this isn't going to necessarily be so easy to create what we're trying to create. We start to see some of the difficulties in that, and we just start to see the economic washout. Is there anything else you'd like to say about that, Regina? No, I mean, that period of time, also we're looking at leading into 2012, right? (laughs) And then we had a whole other um, psycho-spiritual kind of opportunity at that time that that was leading into. And I know that you'll get to that because that's something you uh, put a good amount of research and time into over the years. Well, yeah, and if we'll just take that up for a second. Um, If we go back to 1999, and we look at Carl Kalamann's research, what we're looking at is, is a period of time from 1999 to 2011 that Carl calls the um, galactic underworld. Mm-hmm. So if we look at it from that point of view, but it's actually the same in the sense that the galactic underworld, it just covers that span of that hot and fast um, evolution of te- techie um, and artificial intelligence in our lives. You know, and you're right. And so then if we come up to 2008, 2009, we still have four or five years to go until the um, actual end of the mind calendar. But what did happen there was a collapse, a, a tech collapse. And I think it really needs to be kept in mind because if I was going to hazard a guess about what's going to get get us out of the mess that we're in at this point, we may have a collapse of technology because of massive solar flares. Interesting, because we look at all the everything that was in place at that time. We had uh, at that time we had issues with the market. We had a huge collapse in the real estate market. The bubble was burst there, mm-hmm. and now everything is lined back up to where it was in essentially 2006. And I remember I was dealing in real estate at that time on a personal level. You could do no wrong in 2004, 5, 6, leading up to 2007, and then boom, everything in the U.S. was worth about half almost overnight within six months' time. Right now, we're in this huge real estate bubble again. Part of it, because these corporations, which got the first $1.7 trillion off the top of the care packages, started buying up their own stock and also going into um, residential real estate market. So for all these false, inflated, really not very ethical reasons, we have this huge real estate bubble going again, certainly in California. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. We're, set, we're just sitting on that precipice again where everything's out of control, the stock market's spinning off in a reality no one understands anymore. So that's mm-hmm. where we are today, but that's kind of where we were back in 2007. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so here we are with the the opposition in 2008-2009, and then we come up to the next square. What happens is it's called the lower and the upper square. You have a square below an opposition, another square. And this is the point of the the three um, Saturn square Uranus. um, Because when you get get these squares, there's usually three of them. Mm and that's very important because with the first square, you want to identify, if, ideally what people should do if they start getting into this, is when there's a major um, square like that, identify with the first hit what your issue is. And if you can, you do a lot better all the way up to the point we're coming to now. 
So okay. you're saying go back to February, identify what the hidden subconscious, unconscious challenge was that we should have been, we should go back now and recognize if we didn't mm -hmm. at the time. And this is personal. In other yeah. words, this is to each one of us. And so automatically that moves you into your personal realm instead of being stuck in the collective, which is, which is something that I think is so important to do at this time. So, right. um, so then if we look at the, the 1988 and then the, the square and the opposition and the square, what is going on here? Well, I'd have to say if I go back to 1988, um, I think there's some real issues with the individual starting to realize that they are doing things in the world with their energy. See, if you go back to 88 and you look at all this tech stuff, Everything's set up for us right now to buy into the idea that our power is going to come from a smart car and a smart home, a smartphone, etc. And at the same time, what's fascinating to me about technology and about inventions is if you look at technology and inventions as something that came into existence to teach you something about your own potential you're going to start to be, do some really amazing things because I don't need any of these devices. I'm 100% psychic and I can sense anything going on anywhere on the planet if I want to tune into it. And everybody watching the show has that ability. And I think that people are learning these things from their devices. So I think what's going to That's happen... That's an interesting concept because most people would say, no, I've become more dependent on it and started diminishing my reliance upon my own innate abilities. That's, that's one of the downsides of this. Right. So that's the way the artificial intelligence and the techie people would like to have you thinking. Mm -hmm. But if solar flares blow it all out of the sky so it's not functioning anymore, um, all of a sudden people are going to discover that they're connected anyway. And I, I don't like to make predictions. Um, I'm willing to say that I think the ultra control that we've been experiencing is going to be very challenged at this solstice. I, I think we're going to see a huge breakout on the part of the people for freedom. I'm not willing to predict um, that, that solar flares are going to knock the technology um, back. But if I look at it from the point of view of 1988 and then 1999 and then 2008 and what's been going on and what's going on now, it almost looks like it's inevitable that something like that's going to have to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so that with the next Saturn Uranus cycle, which starts in 2032, another whole way of being on this planet should be starting at that point. And what would that look like to you? just extrapolating from where we've come in the journey so far? Well, the only way I can get any information like that is by going down to younger people. Yeah. So I communicate with younger people as much as I can because they're the ones who can give me a sense of the future, you know? And so in that regard, I've been really um, studying the mycelium movement and the mushroom movement yes. and really tuning into the fact that we are actually all connected and the mycelium movement and the number of people working with mushrooms for 
ameliorating um, environmental problems and also for just having a good trip, whatever they're doing with the mushrooms. Or, or just for good health, a, you know, when you're talking about cordyceps and all that. Yeah. yeah. Or making a great steak with porcini mushrooms. With what, whatever. Mushrooms are useful for all, all kinds of things. Um, but mushrooms, um, when you really get into this, our whole planet is all connected up because of mushrooms. And I have a feeling that if I was going to try to imagine what could happen next, I think it's going to go into those areas. Interesting. And so there is going to be, I just find the little, the Scorpio generation who are quite young, they're 18 and under right now, fascinating. They mm -hmm. don't seem, they think differently. I have a stepson in that age group, a very much an independent thinker, wants to do his own research, doesn't take anyone else's word for anything, pretty much. Uh, even at the age of 13. And also this notion that you're not born with a sense of privacy or that you should expect to have your own privacy. That's not even part of their thinking anymore. It's an understanding that they're connected really from the cradle on. Mm -hmm. and, and that's true because if you look at what Ellison is doing, Ellison from Oracle, and um, how all the data is being collected um, now at this point, um, by means of Ellison's big computers, um, there is no privacy. Right. There isn't. And might as well just, just realize it because that's the truth. That is the truth. And for us, uh, that's offensive. Uh, for someone who's 15, 16, that's the world. That's the way it is. You don't expect anything different. And mm -hmm. so they're not blowing back against it. But the Scorpio generation we're talking about has, uh, maybe you can explain to us what the chief characteristics are of the Scorpio generation coming up that we're calling the gen, uh, Generation Z or the Zoomers, I call them. Yeah, I hate to admit it, uh, but I haven't looked into it at oh, okay. all. Yeah, okay, I get so involved with some of this, some of this yeah. right now that I haven't looked at it. But I'll certainly take take a, a look at that. That yeah. would be fun just to see what's happening with them. But the whole no the notion you used of uh, mushrooms and the interconnectedness and the way that that is simply the way the planet works now going forward um, for one and all is just the way it's going to be with the younger generations. They already understand they don't have the power over anything, the power over finances. They can't expect to go and have a home and property in a white picket fence because they've been priced out of the markets by previous generations, for example. So communal living will be part of it. So this notion of everything being connected and having to have inter-reliance and interdependence on one another has to be the healing of the future. Mm -hmm. And then back to this hologram for just a minute, 1988 through 2032. The other thing I could say about that we're at this last square and then we have like seven or eight more years until the new conjunction. And I certainly am going to be shocked if full disclosure of our interplanetary um, citizenship and connection with all beings in the universe, I'll be shocked if that isn't in place. Yeah. And then what's interesting about that is that then, then there's so many things that everybody's doing that so what if, Oracle and Ellison and Bill Gates. So what if they know all about you? They don't know anything about you, especially yeah. they don't know anything about your soul and your purpose for being here and what you're really thinking about. They don't know. They don't know. And I agree with you 100%, Barbara, that the most 
sacred connection we have right now beyond our connection with each other is our connection to our own soul our mm -hmm. higher self opening our capabilities because once that happens we can't be manipulated to we can't manipulate it and lied to any longer because like you're saying you can just open up those capabilities and understand immediately what's going on and every one of us has that ability yes and many 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 people are doing it yes yeah. they are and that's the exciting part continue on because i want to ask you about a couple of really kind of simple things in regaining that sovereignty mm -hmm. so basically i would say that i think this next quarter of this uh, transit since 1988 is going to really be about the interconnection just remember back to the conjunction in 1988 on the galactic center yes the, so what's been going on deep inside is person by person, people have been thinking and studying this issue of whether extraterrestrials are real, whether they're um, dimensional, whatever is going to long, long topic. And if di disclosure actually happens, I'd love to get back on with you and talk about oh. what probably we'll, we'll be able to tell by how the whole thing unfolds, um, what the meaning of it is probably, I would think. I think so, and I'm connected with a lot of those people, as you know, and so I would love to get your perspective on it. So once that does happen, um, in beyond the ways that it's already happening, and I would argue that disclosure has already occurred. Uh, enough has come out. Yeah, enough has come out. But if we see something that is more overt, uh, we definitely want to get back on. And I want to ask you this then. So we're looking from the galactic center. We're looking at a, the mycelium. We're looking at a generation that is just accustomed to being connected and not having what we knew as privacy. So this interconnectedness uh, is happening in connection between us all. But what has what has been lost in this recent phase i think of media manipulation social media manipulation is our own sense of truth value virtues people have just some people have literally tossed these things overboard for convenience and to be part of some kind of uh, uber thinking so now how do we put truth and values and virtues back into this mix as we're connecting with our deeper unconscious and soul. If the minute people move into that deeper level of themselves, then automatically all of, all of these issues rearrange themselves. You know, a lot of things that people think they believe in right now, they won't even remember, remember it a couple of years from now. Yeah, I, I hope that's true <laughs> because there has been, um, there's been, there's been such a division between people, friendships and families over these uh, delusional and illusional um, concepts that have been bandied about and reinforced through social media in particular, that that part has been very, very hard on people's hearts to lose friends and families, uh, family members and such to kind of new, a new type of fundamentalist thinking that goes far beyond religion or anything organized and trying to see how people come back from that kind of co-opted fundamentalist thinking is really kind of interesting. How would you, how do you view it? I mean, do you think this will happen organically or are I think we just happening, Regina, because what COVID has forced um, 
fam most families to do is to draw more closely together. E even though we've been separated and have been torn apart in the way that we have, still family, I notice family by family, people are just drawing really, really closely together. They can't take, take those things away from us. Nobody can take those things away from us. That's been shown historically for thousands of years that people True. will continue to um, strengthen their families and work with their families. Very true. I'm even noticing this in my personal life. My family and I are closer than ever. Yes, in um, my case, that's true also. And then there are things going on now where things are being revealed, like the resident problem with the residential um, schools in Canada and child abuse. Yes. And as you know, my trilogy is all about priestly sexual abuse, which is child abuse. So I've been deeply into this issue for many, many years. Most of us who wanted to look into it knew 20 or 30 years ago that this had happened in the schools. So the only thing that's happening now is that the truth is coming through in such a um, solid way that it's, it's forcing change. Yes. And things are going to change and improve because of the truth coming out. I agree with you. I think this is a time of revelation. Um, we can look at it in a biblical sense, or we can look at it as we are living and experiencing it, and it is that time has arrived. You're absolutely right. And that's the Revelation Trilogy. Internet. Pardon? And that's the Revelations Trilogy. I know. You're, oh, my gosh. Well, I have read the third one. I know you did a little more editing on it after I read The Galley. I cannot wait to reread it. But it is so powerful, Barbara. Um, we're going to do another interview on that at Gaia and here, um, closer to the release date on the third the, of the trilogy and wow that one was powerful I have to say because you really have to sit in the middle of all that's happened all of our potential in this kind of exquisite vice that we find ourselves in right now until we squeezing ourselves up to our higher capacities you did a beautiful job in that thank you and I brought it up only because um, it really ended up being a revelations trilogy in other yes, words I knew I, needed cover, I, I needed I knew I needed to cover that period of time because I was yep. guided to do it but I had no idea how revelatory it would it would end up being absolutely hey what's the publication date again um well it's supposed to be September but now I'm hearing that it's going to be out in August so I'm trying to find out we're really close Oh, okay, good. All right. Well, once it's out, um, come back on with me because I'm raring to talk to you about that book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'd, love to. I'd love to. Barbara, any final thoughts on this conversation? I thought you've done a really beautiful job in explaining to us what the opportunity is, uh, what, it, it, what our responsibility is within it. And it, it shouldn't just be seen as a weight, but rather a joy, a release to be able to look into those aspects of self that we've hidden from ourselves, where we've been delusional in our own thinking and just strip it bare. There's yeah. nothing too awful to look at within our being if we just take the time and courage to do it. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I think if, 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 if we try to think about what's it going to be like to push back, because what I'm saying is I think a pushback is coming Yes. I think most of us will suddenly just not be able to resist just doing something, whatever it is that we can do, because we've got to do something here because we've been railroaded into a, a, a you know, the end of a canyon, so to speak. And I don't like the canyon. I don't like it either. And you and I are rebels. So we've done our own blowback already. And um, there, and I agree. I think we're going to be seeing more of this 
more of this at large. Um, sometimes I watch people and think, geez, wake up, wake up, you know, wake up in there. But I think you're right because the pressure is mounting collectively. Mm -hmm. Well, when people discover, you know, within months that they have to get a third vaccine and then a fourth vaccine, all kinds of stuff is going to happen here. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is an untenable creation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we won't even get into that. Uh, the messages I got intuitively at the very beginning of this, now it's been uh, 16, 17 months ago, um, have all turned out to be right on. And I'm so glad I just stuck to my own truth and watched and researched and listened and kept myself away from all of it. And each person has had to contend with this in their own way. And we're very powerful beings. So whatever we've done along the way by way of, say, caving and recovering ourselves, we can recover from it. Our bodies are very powerful. Our minds are very powerful. Never is it all lost. But it would be really nice to start thinking in terms of taking our power back. Yes. yes. So... August, we're looking at the release of the final book of the Revelations trilogy. Revelations from the source. Revelations from the source, yes. And it's on Amazon pre-order now and all that sort of stuff. You know. Okay, good. And I recommend everybody, even though I haven't done the final read on it, I know the basis and bones of it. Powerful story. Be ready to really invest yourself in it. So, Barbara, thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to finally do our first Zoom together. Yes. And we'll do another one when the book comes out in a couple months' time. How's that? Yes, I'd love to. Very good. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you. Again, everybody, the new book coming out, pre-order it on Amazon, Revelations from the Source, Barbara Hanclow. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on ReginaMeredith.com.